Welcome into the most accurate podcast, 444.com. I'm Anthony Stalter. Alongside of me, as always, is 444.com senior editor John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you, John? I'm not doing too well. I, I watched that Thursday night football game, and I lost about three hours of my life that I can't get back. So I'm not doing too well today. <laughs> Before we dive into everything that's including that Thursday night matchup that we have on the podcast for this week, tell us a little bit about the music. Uh, yes, that's a track called Fire by uh, Beth Ditto, or Dido, I don't know how she pronounces her name. Uh, she's from Arkansas, uh, Searcy, Arkansas. Um, so sh- shout out to Searcy. Um, but it's a pretty good uh, blues rock track. We'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. Uh, it's on Spotify. If you can't find it there by searching the Most Accurate Podcast, uh, you could also look on the 444.com website and look for a podcast post. It's in, uh, There'll be a, a link to the playlist uh, in all those posts. All right, let's dive into that Thursday night matchup. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but I do think that there's some interesting storylines to come out of this. So the Texans beat the Bengals, if you, if you didn't know, 13-9. to It was as ugly as the final score would indicate. Uh, the Bengals won on a yards-per-average basis. They did turn the ball over once, but their defense played very well against rookie Deshaun Watson. But Andy Dalton had absolutely nothing. And in back-to-back weeks... Back-to-back home games, they have yet to score a touchdown, they being the Bengals. So just an atrocious performance from Andy Dalton, and there seems to be some bickering going on now because A.J. Green came out and said that, look, I need the ball more, and I don't disagree with him. But let's start off with Houston, John. Deshaun Watson, 15 of 24, 125 yards, a pretty rookie-like performance from him. He did have the one big run that led to the only touchdown of the game that uh, came late in the second quarter. He had five carries for 67 yards. Lamar Miller, 18 carries, 61 yards. uh, Deontay Foreman, 12 carries, 40 yards. And before we move on to the wide receivers, uh, let's talk about that. Any any concern here for Lamar Lamar Miller owners that Foreman did have 12 carries for 40 yards? Seems more of a timeshare than what we expected. Yeah, and uh, Bill Bryan mentioned that he was going to get Foreman more uh, touches heading into this game. Uh, we weren't expecting necessarily this many, uh, but I, I looked at the. I didn't watch a game in all honesty, and I'm, I feel good about that. I feel good about the choices I make in my life on Thursday nights when you I you didn't miss uh, much. I avoid the uh, Houston uh, Cincinnati game, um, but. I looked at the I looked at the play drives and I saw that uh, Miller came in for the first two drives looked like and then Foreman came in for the next two and was showing a little bit more punch. I remember looking at the box score at about halftime and Foreman had a higher yards per carry at that point, but then I think Miller caught up and passed him. He ever ended up with three point four yards per carry. He had a nineteen yard run. Uh, Lamar Miller did so. I mean, he had twenty one touches, uh, eighty seven yards. So it's not hugely worrisome. I mean, they're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, with, with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Uh, so uh, I think Miller is still an RB2. You know, you're you sort of looking at him in the draft as a low-end RB1, but uh, I don't know how many touchdowns this team's going to score, and that's that's you know kind of the issue. But he's, he's still going to get a lot of work in the passing game because the, the receiving receivers are so banged up. Um, and, you know, 21 touches, you can't really complain about that if you're a Miller owner. DeAndre Hopkins, we'll just mention him, 13 targets, 7 catches, 73 yards. And, John, I know you didn't watch the game last night, but Deshaun Watson was looking his way a ton. And if it wasn't for Pac-Man Jones playing pretty 
stout coverage against Hopkins, I think he would have had a better game. So it was good to see DeAndre Hopkins not he's not it doesn't look like at least for one week he's going to be affected by the fact that there's a rookie quarterback. He may benefit from it. Let's go through some of the Bengals stats and boy they were ugly. Andy Dalton, twenty of thirty five, two twenty four, no touches, no interceptions. Joe Mixon, nine carries, thirty six yards. He had a long of seven. He has not gotten going yet. Jeremy Hill, six carries, seventeen yards. Gio Bernard, five carries, ten yards. AJ Green led the receivers with eight targets for uh, five receptions, sixty-seven yards. Really, not much to come out of these these Bengals numbers. Um, they've been atrocious thus far offensively. But what do you think about Dalton? What do you think about the running back committee? Give give us your thoughts on Green and Eifert. Uh, well, for Dalton, you know, maybe you can speak to this. Does he look significantly worse? Is he forgetting how to be a decent quarterback? You know, compared to years past, because he has been a productive guy in this offense for the last few years I think it's Hugh Jackson I I, I doesn't look as comfortable without Hugh Jackson calling the plays and in Hugh Jackson's offense and let's not forget they lost some talent a year ago in the receiving game without um, Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu these were very good pieces opposite AJ Green now they they did draft John uh, John Ross out of Washington and maybe at some point He'll get, Andy Dalton will look comfortable again, but, but boy, I mean, his accuracy was, was woeful last night. He just, he, he looked, and, and he faced a good Houston defense, but he was constantly looking at the rush. Andy Dalton, for all intents and purposes, John, looks like he has regressed. So I was looking at, you know, people on Twitter are talking about uh, the, the Bengals a lot after the game, and, um, you know, the offensive line lost. Uh, some talent as well and they're struggling i looked at uh, next gen stats over at nfl.com it's pretty cool they've got uh, one if you go to the if you go to the game center uh, there's a, a tab for next gen and you go scroll down to the bottom and it says defensive pass rush and it shows uh, this average separation from the quarterback of the four rushers uh, on the defensive line uh, for for uh, houston they all averaged uh, less than 4.08 uh uh, Mercillus was at 3.39. JJ Watt was at 3.62. Uh, JD and Clowney was at 3.7. The league average, uh, by the way, is 4.48. So, um, Houston was pressuring, uh, Cincy and Dalton, uh, pretty consistently. If you look at the other side of the, of the ball, uh, Cincy wasn't doing as good a job. They were all pretty much below average, average or below average, um, pressuring Watson. So the, the offensive line does seem like it's a problem. Uh, you can scroll up and look at the receivers and see that A.J. Green, Brian LaFell, uh, Tyler Eifert did create separation. Uh, the league average is 2.7 uh, yards of separation. It's the fact that we have this data now is just amazing, and uh, NFL is given away for free, which is really cool. Uh, but A.J. Green was at 3.2. Brian LaFell was at 3.04. Tyler Eifert had 3.9. So they were all creating enough separation. So this all points back to the you know the offensive line and to Dalton um, not uh, being comfortable enough to hit his marks. And when I watched the the final drive, if you want to call it that, I, I use heavy air quotes there on the word drive. Um, it's it, it, AJ Green didn't get a target, you know, and then on fourth and four or third and four, he scrambled. You know, Dalton scrambles to his right, points downfield, and then just throws the ball away. He doesn't try to make a play there, which maybe you, you want to if it's third and four and you've only got two plays left to make the keep the drive alive. Uh, fourth and four, he like sails a ball over the the head of his slot receiver Erickson. Like he's not targeting his best players uh, in situations like that, and that's a little bit worrisome. Um, 
his upcoming schedule gets significantly easier. I mean, Grant, he has had two bad matchups, Baltimore and Houston. Both games were at home. He should do better than he did. Uh, obviously, four interceptions um, you know, against Baltimore last week. But he's got Green Bay coming up. Green Bay looked better uh, last week against Seattle. So we'll see if that pass defense holds up against your, your Falcons this week. Uh, and then he's got Cleveland and Buffalo before his week six bye. So there is some reason for optimism but you know you can cut dalton in most 12 team formats and just stream the position at this point because uh it, it looks like he's uh he's in his own kitchen right now uh with the way he's throwing the ball and, and and playing in that offense all right john moving off the thursday night game let's talk about andrew luck he's already been ruled out against the cardinals and it, it looks like he's going to be ruled out for week three as well there was a report by at pro football doc that believes that October is now the goal point for Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett is going to start on Sunday. And I guess what we could we could talk about now is how does this impact guys like T.Y. Hilton, whether it's Brissett and how long Luck is going to be out. Give us your thoughts on the Colts' skill position players. Well, first of all, on Luck, uh, David Chow, Dr. David Chow, who is a pro football doc, uh, he did a, a bit for the San Diego Union-Tribune uh, video there, if you look in his Twitter feed, you can find it about half the way down uh, from yesterday. And he says earliest is mid October for 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 Luck. Uh, at this point, no September games for him. Uh, the reason being, I think, is that he's not throwing at all really, and he's not practicing. He needs a couple of weeks of practice and throwing as part of the rehab. And once that happens, then they can start to active. You know, think about activating him after a couple of weeks of that. Usually, it's two to four weeks of that. Uh, apparently, with this injury, so that is why he's saying mid-October, and that obviously is a big problem for T.Y. Hilton owners, uh, Jack Doyle owners, uh, Dante Moncrief owners, and the hope here is that Brissett uh, can come in and do better than what Scott Tolzien did um, against the Rams last week, which was a, you know unmitigated disaster. Uh, Brissett had two starts with the, with the Patriots last year, if you remember, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, missed a couple games. Uh, filling in for Tom Brady, who was uh, caught uh, uh, overinflating, oh, deflating, sorry, deflating <laughs> footballs, uh, and had to serve a suspension. Um, but Brissett ended up completing a twenty-eight for uh, forty-six passes in those two games, so they didn't really throw the ball a whole ton, a ton but it was sixty-point-nine percent completion, a total of three hundred and eight passing yards uh, for a six-point-seven uh, yards per attempt, which is pretty pedestrian. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown or an interception, so they kind of used him as a game manager. Uh, but he did run the ball 12 times for 71 yards and a touchdown. That's where he uh, sort of brings some some juice as a as a runner. Um, this is not a big upgrade uh, for the for the Indianapolis offense, uh, but there is some some light at the end of the tunnel possibly if he comes in and plays uh, even better than he did uh, with the Patriots, which is you know expecting a lot. Um, there maybe there's some optimism for Hilton and Moncrief and Doyle. I wouldn't rank any of those guys anywhere near where we would have them if Luck were in the in the offense. But uh, there is some some reason for uh, optimism. Um, and then Brissett's ability to run might open up some running lanes for for Frank Gore uh, and get him going a little bit in the running game. But this is a pretty tough matchup with a good Arizona defense, and I'm not real optimistic about any of these Colts. I'd like to see uh, Brissett play well this week before uh, starting to get truly optimistic about this offense all right john i'm gonna just allow me to bitch for about 30 seconds here i promise it'll be it'll be quick i had i'm in multiple leagues i had the the eighth pick in i think four of like the five leagues so i was right in the mike evans 
Um, Mike Evans, Melvin Gordon, Jordy Nelson range on, mm-hmm. on every pick. One league, I did have the fifth or sixth pick, and I used that selection. I was so excited on Odell Beckham. And I absolutely hate the way I feel right now about this situation. So Odell Beckham, he's practicing again on Friday. Today is Friday. The Giants are gonna re- aren't going to release their final injury report until Saturday since they play on Monday night. What do I do about Odell Beckham, who also said that he's apparently dealing with a six- to eight-week injury? Am I looking at a decoy situation with Odell Beckham on Monday night? Please help me out with what to do with the Giants' star receiver. Well, it looks like it's a high ankle sprain. I don't think they would have him out there unless he was somewhat functional uh, and, you know, 80% of himself or 85% of himself. Uh, there's a great article. I referenced it multiple times um, last year by Chris Raybon, uh, how injury affects weekly NFL player performance in fantasy. Um, Chris went through pretty much every injury for every position and calculated the, the drop or increase in fantasy points per game when a player is listed as questionable uh, with that, with that injury. And for, for an ankle uh, and wide receiver, if you look at the wide receiver table, it's minus 12% for PPR points per game. Um, so that's sort of the drop off you're looking for from Beckham, which still makes him playable. Uh, this ankle injury sounds like it might be more significant than just ankle. Like usually you're looking at a sore ankle, like a low ankle sprain, and then they're, they're playing through it and maybe you get 12%, 11, 12% drop on average. Uh, high ankle sprain. If they're, if they're feeling the pinch here, they're 0 and 1. Uh, they need to get a win this week against Detroit at home. You know, maybe they are running him out there as more of a decoy to see if it opens up things more for Brandon Marshall, who really struggled against Dallas to get any separation. And uh, Sterling Shepard, who was the best receiver uh, for the Giants uh, last week, unless you want to talk about Shane Vereen. Um, so it's really a dicey situation because, okay, A, is he going to play? And B, if he does play, how good is he going to be? So I'm, in terms of rankings versus my competitors, uh, in ter- you know, my, my, the people that also rank and, and compete at fantasypros.com uh, for accuracy uh, and all that. I feel like I'm low on, on Beckham. I'm not going to have him in my top 10, uh, this week. He's more feels like a teens guy right now. Uh, you know, even if he does play not a hundred percent, so that that's a discount right there. And then I got to see how he's going to respond to Friday practice. What the, what's the, uh, prognosis on Saturday? How, are they listening? Are they listing him as questionable as even, is he on their injury report, which he should be, but maybe he's not. Um, before we get into Monday night and try to, or Sunday morning and trying to make those decisions about Monday night. Um, I still think that if you're trying to benefit from this, Sterling Shepard is, uh, even a better play this week than maybe Brandon Marshall. Uh, because, you know, Shepard is a good receiver. He did very well on Matt Harmon's, uh, route running, uh, reception perception, uh, charting that he did. And he looked good. Uh, they were trying to actively get him the ball against Dallas and they, they may do so again against Detroit. David Johnson, Danny Woodhead, tough situation for their owners. Johnson uh, apparently is going to be out at least until Christmas, says Bruce Arians. And then Woodhead was placed on injured reserve, and he's not going to be back until the earliest, I think, week 10. Should owners hold on to either of these running backs? Well, if if Christmas is the prognosis, that's not good. I mean, that what are we looking at there? Uh, week 16, 15? Uh, I'm pulling up the schedule right now. Bear with me. 
should have had this all done ahead of time if I was a professional. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, week 15 is December 14th through this 18th, so then Christmas would be week 16. Now, if that, I don't know if he's kind of being super cautious with what he's saying. I mean, this is supposed to be a two month, two to three month uh, recovery. Um, you know, if you have David Johnson and you don't have a super short bench where you've got five spots and you're really struggling to keep him, then you, then you need to keep him because if you can make the playoffs and he's back in week 14, now you have David Johnson for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, but it does become a problem if you've got four or five roster spots or bench spots and you've just got a guy sitting there eating up 10 weeks, 12 weeks uh, of bench. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. So I would like try to hold on to him and then see how it goes. Now, do you, do you get to a point where, uh, you know, Johnson's prognosis, he, more information comes out and he's going to be, it's going to be Christmas. Well, then you, then you cut him. Uh, if you, you can hold him for two or three weeks, the buy, the buys start to kick in and you really can't, you, you can't, uh, pick up players to, um, start for you because you're, you're having to eat buys in your, in your starting lineup, then you need to cut him and, and try to make the playoffs because, uh, he's not going to do you any good uh, in the fantasy playoffs if you don't make the playoffs. As for Woodhead, I, I don't think his value is at the same level as Johnson. I mean, he's supposed to be back week 10-ish, um, and that's great. But I wouldn't just cut him just to cut him. Um, but it, it gets to the point where you're sitting there and you've got Woodhead and you're comparing him to a Tariq Cohen uh, in this this week. I, I would have I would take Cohen over over Woodhead given what we know about Woodhead's injury and what Cohen's going to do. So moving forward, you're going to have these running backs or, or receivers pop up on the waiver wire. And you're like, okay, I got to compare this to having uh, Woodhead on my roster for another eight weeks, eating up a spot, or do I want this player? Now Woodhead could come back and, and play well and, and do, and do well for you in the, the stretch run. Um, but his value is not at the point where David Johnson's is and at the level that David Johnson's is and where, where Johnson can come in and win a fantasy championship for you if you can make the playoffs. One other injury update that I want to give listeners here and, and get your idea, get your thoughts on is John Brown. He's dealing with a quad injury. He's a, he officially did not practice in th- on Thursday. Looks like he's going to be very questionable for the Cardinals matchup with the Colts. Where do you have him in your rankings? Well, he would normally be in the 30s uh, in, a, in a good matchup, a really good matchup against the Colts. But with this injury, I, I'm a little worried about his uh, durability, in-game durability, even if he does play, uh, they have been. I mean, he has he's been dealing with a squad injury in, in the summer, and this is part of the sickle cell trait where he doesn't recover as quickly as other players that don't have that trait, and so it's a concern. Now we'll see if he does a full practice today. If he's limited today, um, if he's full, I'll feel pretty good about him on Sunday. If he's limited. Uh, it's I'm going to keep him a little bit lower in my rankings, and and maybe have some other players uh, ahead of him that maybe you wouldn't see normally with John Brown facing a Colts pass defense. So if if Brown is inactive and you know Arizona plays early on Sunday at Indianapolis, if he's inactive, I think uh, JJ Nelson is the is the best uh, sneaky start there, plug and play there uh, you know, because he had significant uh, work against Detroit last week. Jaron Brown played quite a bit, but didn't even see a target. Uh, so I think uh, Nelson is more the direct replacement for, for Brown in that offense. And with David Johnson sideline, they're going to have to throw the ball a bit more than they, they probably would like. 
Before we get into John's sneaky starts, I want to tell you about Draft. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues at our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's a season-long league, just like you play with your friends, but with no management. All you have to do is just set it, forget it, and once you're done drafting, Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best scores get automatically selected every week. You could draft the time any, any you could draft the team anytime you want. So leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. Here's the best part: no salary caps. You can play for for cold hard cash. Leagues start from just three dollars and up. So there's a league for anyone. If you're a novice, great. There's a league for you. If there's if if you're an expert, there's a there's leagues for you as well. So it's easy to start playing draft today. Just go to playdraft.com backslash four for four playdraft.com the number four f-o-r number four you can join a game in minutes all new players get a free entry into our best ball draft when you make your first deposit so all you have to do is go to draft.com use our promo code four for four you can play for real real money for free just for using our promo code the number four f-o-r and the number four it's the draft app let's get into your sneaky starts this week john Let's start off with some cheap, cheap, cheap options. You have uh, Joe Flacco at quarterback, Jared Goff, who looked very good in his debut performance running Sean, Sean McVay's offense a week ago, albeit versus a horrendous Indianapolis team. And then Trevor Simeon looked pretty good against an underrated Los Angeles Chargers team on Monday night. So talk to us about your quarterbacks this week, Flacco, Goff, Simeon. Yeah, these are the, these are the three quarterbacks I, I put down in a paragraph below my top four uh, sneaky starts at the at the position, and you know I you know Carson Palmer is an obvious play uh, bouncing back from Detroit against uh, Indianapolis, and Sam Bradford obviously looked really good against New Orleans, and he's got a a decent matchup against Pittsburgh. But these these guys, you know, Flacco, Goff, and Simeon are probably available in the waiver wire and are, are worth a run out there, given you know the, the matchups and and how they're playing recently. I mean, Flacco wasn't great against Cincinnati, but you know, historically he, he plays better at home. He he's averaged 1.71 uh, touchdowns at home uh, versus 1.19 touchdowns on the road in the last three seasons. So uh, he's much closer to two touchdowns and, and the Cleveland defense historically, not very good. Um, they are the worrisome thing here. And this is why he's lower in my rankings is that the, the, the Ravens do seem like they're intent on running the ball significantly more than they did last year and Flacco's still coming back from that uh that injury that back injury uh, kept him out uh most of preseason but I, I feel like he's probably rounding into shape and maybe could throw two touchdowns this week and then uh Goff uh Washington didn't the defense didn't play particularly well against Carson Wentz last week again uh in Philadelphia uh so Goff uh could uh, if he's continuing to develop uh as it appears he is in preseason uh, and in week one, I mean, obviously it was a great matchup against the Colts, but it's nice to see him actually take advantage of a great matchup against the Colts. Uh, it looks like Sean McVay is uh, having a good effect on Goff. And then Simeon uh, against Dallas. I don't think the Dallas defense was as good as they showed uh, against the Giants at home last week without Odell Beckham in the lineup. And, you know, the Denver's got a couple good receivers there, uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, and um, obviously the great defense. So Simeon... Uh, is another guy who plays significantly better at home uh, throwing the ball than he does on the road. So uh, he's a, he's a worthy sneaky start as well. I like this running back option. You got Jaquiz Rogers written down. You almost forget about Jaquiz Rogers because Tampa Bay didn't play last week due to the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. 
but they got the Bears, and and the Bears defensively looked much better than what I expected, including that that off that defensive line. Um, Hicks had a great game against the Falcons last week, kind of disruptive. But Jaquiz Rogers with Doug Martin being being suspended, you get a RB one situation heading into this Chicago matchup, John. Yeah, and I I feel like this is a pretty obvious play and. You know, I'm surprised people on Twitter haven't challenged my word, use of the word sneaky starts, uh, with relation to Jaquiz Rogers. But, uh, and then I go to Fantasy Pros and I see that I'm eight or 10 spots high on Rogers this week. So I guess it's, I guess it is sort of an under the radar pick still. And I guess it depends on how you feel about, uh, Rogers as a player and the, the certainty you have in him being the, uh, the RB1. Uh, last year they tried Charles Sims as, the RB one for two games and it didn't really work out. He had a good, pretty good week, you know, first week as the starter. And then the second one was pretty dreadful. Uh, and then, then he got injured and then came back and then Rogers. So the last five, five weeks that Doug Martin missed, uh, with Rogers as the starter, uh, he, he had 23.4 touches for 105 yards and 0.4, uh, touchdowns in those, in those five games. So, uh, I don't think he'll see 23 touches. Uh, Sims is healthy and, and will be involved, involved, but I think 15 to 18 touches is, is well within, uh, the likely, uh, outcome for, for Rogers. Uh, and he has shown that when he gets that much work, he can be a productive fantasy back. I, I think even if this is a tough matchup, I don't, you know, it's the Bears. I don't know, uh, if they'll play quite as well after a tough loss against Atlanta down in Tampa. Tampa's been, uh, chomping at the bit to, to start their season. So I think this is a good, uh, spot for this offense, and I think Rodgers will will capitalize. This is another good one uh, for obvious reasons. You have Kerwin Williams starting against a horrible Indianapolis Colts defense, although one that pretty much held Todd Gurley in check. They didn't do much else, but Gurley didn't have a great day uh, a week ago. But Kerwin Williams likely to be the starter, according to Bruce, Bruce uh, Arians, as David Johnson was placed on IR. Any concern that Andre Ellington and Chris Johnson kind of figure into the mix, though? Yeah, I think long term, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about Chris Johnson. Uh, but they they picked uh, Kerwin Williams and Andre Ellington and the the, the other third guy there is, is his name is escaping me uh, over Chris Johnson when it came down to uh, to cutting the roster. So I don't think that they're just going to install him as the main ball carrier and first and second down. Um, uh, immediately if they if they felt like he was that good at this point in his career they would have kept him uh, on the roster as the primary backup because they wouldn't have risked uh losing him if something happened to David Johnson so i think with John, Chris Johnson back you know maybe he takes a week or two to get back into the swing of things and and Arians already said that Williams is the main uh ball carrier i think Ellington is a significantly better pass catcher so you probably have a committee here forming between Williams and Ellington, and in this game against the Colts, they both could be serviceable as flex plays. Uh, Williams even as an RB two if you're in a pinch. Uh, he had a three game stint uh, as the Arizona starter. He had 242 yards on 51 carries back in 2014. That's 4.75 yards per carry. He's not a bad player, and certainly in this matchup, he he could produce. I think in DFS as well, he should be a real cheap option uh, for in in most formats. And the names you're looking for, John, DJ Foster is also on that Arizona uh, depth chart, and then Elijah Penny 
for, uh, for Elijah Penny was the one they they, they signed uh, Foster from the Patriots uh, practice squad, there but Penny go. was the one I, I was blanking on. Yeah, uh, Jacksonville's wide receivers, Allen Robinson's out. So talk to us about Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns. You like these guys for their matchup against the Titans? Uh, like is a strong <laughs> is a strong word, uh, but no, I, I think you're. I think most owners are probably not in a position where they need to to start one of these two. But if you're in a deeper league, uh, you're starting nine or ten, eleven players in your in your leagues, which are, which are the leagues that are better, by the way, because it does force owners for the, to make these types of pickups and decisions, uh, which demonstrates more skill than just starting seven guys. Um, but Marquise Lee is good. He he picked up his game last year and and had a nice season after a very disappointing rookie year. And Hearns has kind of fallen off. Uh, as as Lee has come on, but they're both going to have to play a lot against Tennessee. And I don't know that this game is going to go quite as smoothly for Jacksonville as last week's did against Houston because the, the Tennessee Titans have a very good quarterback and uh, a much more capable receiving core than, than Houston, uh, deeper receiving core than Houston has. Uh, so this game should be more competitive. They might even fall behind Jacksonville. And if that's the case, then Blake Bortles is going to have to throw the ball more than he did last week, and that's going to help Lee and, and Hearns. Uh, Tennessee struggled against the pass last year. Uh, they struggled against uh, uh, Amari Cooper and uh, Michael Crabtree uh, last week. Uh, so Lee and Hearns should have some opportunities to make some plays. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys has a, has a top 20 week. I don't know which one, <laughs> uh, but uh, and I wouldn't count on it, but I, it, it is a situation where – Somebody's going to have to catch the ball for for Jacksonville, and it's probably going to be one of these two guys. Uh, I, I'm convinced you're doing this on purpose now, John, but your, your sneaky start at tight end is Jared Cook. I, I firmly believe that every single podcast you want to talk about Jared Cook, so go ahead. Let's do it. Five targets yesterday, uh, last week, caught all five, 56 yards, and you like him again on Sunday. I know how much you love Jared Cook and talking about Jared Cook and thinking about Jared – most importantly, thinking about Jared Cook. Right. Uh, yeah, I was just looking at the tight end position. I was like, oh, uh, uh, Hooper, uh, okay, Fleener, yeah, right, that's exactly. Yeah, he's Clay. Uh huh. Oh, well, how about Cook? I know, I know, Anthony loves this. Nailed it. Cook stuff, but uh, yeah, he had a pretty good week one, uh, as he usually does. I mean, fifty-six yards. He's part of that offense now, and I think uh, Derek Carr is happy to have him in the lineup, uh, stretching the seam. He's a he's a good player uh, when he's healthy and is involved in the offense. Just uh, he just seems to fall out of favor or gets forgotten about. But the Raiders are scheming to get him the ball. We'll see if it continues this week. But against the Jets, uh, the Raiders are expected to score a lot of points. Um, so, you know, Cook should be part of that. Uh, at home, uh, tight ends tend to score more touchdowns than on the road. It's a pretty significant split, according to Chris Raybon. So um, this is a, not a bad spot to, to, to pick Cook. Maybe he gets three or four or five catches for 50 yards and maybe finds the end zone. And before we sign off today, I know a lot of people are streaming defenses, and you've been you 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 were out ahead of this uh, years ago. I remember when you and I worked together at our previous stop. You were streaming defenses back back in the day. You, you're a big believer in that. So um, right after sneaky starts every week, let's give a couple of defenses that you really like. If if owners are streaming defenses that week as well, who do you like? Yeah. I- yeah, for, for week two, and I, I'm also going to give some for week three, and I'll explain why. Uh, but week two, uh, the obvious one is Oakland uh, against the Jets. And this is not uh, a, as bad of an Oakland D as maybe in years past. They, they did a nice job against Tennessee limiting Marcus Mariota in the passing game. And they did a really nice job in the running game uh, limiting uh, DeMarco Murray. Uh, so 
Oakland at home against the Jets. I mean, this, targeting the Jets offense as a defensive streamer is uh, going to be a no brainer this year. Uh, it may not work out every single week if they come out and have a good game or the defense comes out real flat, but most times you're going to probably get a good top 10, top five, uh, result in your league. Uh, so Oakland, I like it at home against the Jets. I like Tampa at home against Mike Glennon and the Bears. There's just not a lot of talent on that Bears offense. Tampa was a top five or six, uh, fantasy unit last year. Uh, and, you know, at home against the Bears, I like that. And then Baltimore, of course, uh, looked real good against Cincy in week one. If they're out there on the waiver wire, they have Cleveland at home. Uh, that's a nice, that's a nice matchup against the rookie uh, quarterback there. And then looking ahead to week three, and this is something I like to do. I want to talk about a little bit. Um, in, in leagues with deeper rosters, I don't mind carrying two, uh, two defense defenses because I, I feel like I can get glorious, juicy matchups. To a week ahead of time, and I don't have to pay anything for them because I think everybody this week was looking at Oakland, right? So if you look at your league's waiver wire, if you have some sharp players and there's a defensive streamer or two in that league, they're probably paying you know four or five bucks to try to get Oakland uh, this week. But if you had you know drafted them uh, you know as your second defense, uh, knowing that you had the Jets in week two, you wouldn't have to pay anything for them really, other than a late draft pick. Uh, so this week, you know, I'm trying to pick up Miami. Because uh, they have the Jets next week uh, in in New York or slash New Jersey, uh, the Miami defense is was a good fantasy defense last year. I think they were top ten or twelve in our scoring. Uh, they have some talent on that uh, in that defense, and uh, they should do well against uh, Josh McCown and the Jets, who are pretty devoid of talent. Uh, the Rams the is another. Yeah, the Rams is another good pickup against uh, San Francisco. That game's in San Francisco. Uh, Wade Phillips is. You know, looked obviously the defense looked awesome against Indianapolis, but that was a very tasty matchup. This is another pretty good one uh, against Brian Hoyer and, and the 49ers. Uh, Baltimore, if you have them or pick them up for Cleveland this week, you can keep them uh, at Jacksonville in week three. Um, and then Cleveland at Indianapolis in week three is a nice matchup. The Cleveland defense did a pretty good job against the Steelers in week one. We'll see how they do this week. Uh, I think against Jacoby Brissett or Scott Tolzien, a quarterback, that's not a bad matchup. And then, of course, the Patriots, who might have hit the waiver wire after a bad week one against Kansas City, uh, they face Houston at home in week three, and that's a and that's a good matchup against Deshaun Watson. I like the the term that you used earlier, the word to, to describe uh, matchups. You, you said juicy. You're looking for juicy matchups. Juicy matchups. I don't know if I've ever heard John Paulson use the word, the term juicy that way, but I like it regardless. Uh, you can follow John Paulson on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. Good luck to everybody this weekend in fantasy play, and we will see you on Monday's edition of 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. Yeah.